0: The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. At that time, Jesus came to Jericho and intended to pass through the town. Now a man there named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector and also a wealthy man, was seeking to see who Jesus was, but could not see him because of the crowd, for he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree in order to see Jesus, who was about to pass that way. When he reached the place, Jesus looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down quickly, for today I must stay at your house. And he came down quickly and received him with joy. When they saw all this, they began to grumble, saying, He has gone to stay at the house of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Behold, half of my possessions, Lord, I shall give to the poor. And if I have extorted anything from anyone... I shall repay it four times over. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a descendant of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. Period. Got it? Say it with me. Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. Not everyone is saying it with me. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save what was lost. Thank you. That's the whole point. It's the whole point. And he does it in interesting ways, various ways, depending who you are, how you're going to listen, what kind of place you find yourself in. It's interesting to me that Jesus thought that he was just going to pass through Jericho. Jericho is not really a town that one simply passes through. Jericho is a huge city, even to this day. Jericho is at least they say that they are, but uh, scholars seem to agree that Jericho is the, if not the, at least one of the oldest inhabited cities on earth, that the city of Jericho has been inhabited for over 10,000 years. Did you know that? That if you go to Jericho today, there are signs everywhere to remind you of that fact. But it's not so far from Jerusalem, but it's far enough from Jerusalem to be its own place, to have its own sort of center of life. And it's not just a city that you simply pass through. Earlier in Luke's Gospel, Jesus sets his face toward Jerusalem. That's what Luke tells us. He sets his face toward Jerusalem, on his way there uh, to, of course, suffer and die and rise, endure the Paschal mystery. So you can say, well maybe Jesus is so focused on making sure that his mission is fulfilled, that he is intending to pass through Jericho. But now enter this man named Zacchaeus. The man Zacchaeus is an interesting person. He is a son of Abraham, he's a descendant of Abraham as Jesus says, which means he's a fellow Jew, an Israelite. But he's also a tax collector. A tax collector is someone who works for the Roman government. Uh, the tax collectors then are really no more popular than the tax collectors now. And you can see why the Jews would be upset with him, because he's one of them, but basically gave himself away to work for the government, the Roman authorities. And not only is he a tax collector, but he's a chief tax collector. And not only is he the chief tax collector of Jericho, he's a wealthy man. How do you suppose one becomes a wealthy person while he is a tax collector? Around here we would call it the Chicago Way. (laughs) That he takes a little bit off the top, probably sometimes a little bit off the bottom, usually some from the middle as well. He becomes a wealthy person because of his extortion of his brothers and sisters. So you can imagine that when they see Zacchaeus, they're not too terribly happy to see him. But it's interesting because Jesus is intending to pass through the town. That probably means he didn't send a lot of people ahead of him to get them ready for his coming. So they simply heard, perhaps on a whim, that Jesus was coming. And the crowds show up, and Zacchaeus just wants to see who Jesus is. But he's very short. And there's a crowd. And we don't know how tall Zacchaeus was, but I'm thinking he was shorter than 5'8", you know, because 5'8 is actually pretty tall, um, if you think about it. You know, it's more average, but it's on the taller side of average. So I'm thinking he was shorter than 5'8". And he can't see anything. He needs to climb a tree. Here's a tip for you. When you're reading the scriptures and the gospel writers or whoever tells you, not just tree but tells you sycamore tree, your job at that time is to put down the scriptures and go to DuckDuckGo or Google or whatever and to look for sycamore tree in the Bible. Why did he tell us the kind of tree that it was? I'm not an expert in biblical agriculture, I'll tell you that, but this story of Zacchaeus is fascinating to me, and sycamore trees in particular are very fascinating to me, and I'll tell you why if you see a sycamore tree especially of the palestinian variety it's not like a trunk with branches a sycamore tree is a tree that has all these twisting limbs on it which would make it very difficult to climb unless you're a person who is very short someone who is small because you have to have the ability to weave in between all of these limbs which are coming in on each other it would be very difficult for anyone, a short person included, to climb a tree like that in a hurry. And yet Zacchaeus does it, which is why he's shorter than 5 8. Okay. What kind of fruit does a sycamore tree produce? A sycamore tree produces a kind of fig, but it's not like a fig tree level fig. It's sort of like. Um, you know, like a store-brand fig, okay? It's like middle-of-the-road fig. It's not the best ever, it's not the worst, you could still eat it, it's not gonna be very flavorful. But if you recall back to the, the book of the prophet Amos, Amos says about his life as a prophet, he says, "'I'm not a prophet, nor am I the son of a prophet. "'I am a dresser of sycamore trees.'" What does it mean to dress a sycamore tree? This is what it means. Because of the way the fruit grows on a sycamore tree, it grows the fruit and then it needs to be protected from birds and insects and things. So around the fruity part of it is this very hard shell. And it fills up with sap. So that if you harvest it, you pluck it off without doing something to it first, the sap is still in there and the fruit does not become ripe. So the dresser of the sycamore tree comes Three, four, five days before the fruit is going to be harvested and punctures a hole into the shell of the fruit or it cuts off the bottom and all the sap drains out. And exposed now to the oxygen, the fruit becomes ripe. It's just part of having sycamore trees. The fruit needs to become ripened through this kind of puncturing or cutting process. Thus the fruit becomes clean. It's interesting to note that the word Zacchaeus, the name Zacchaeus, means clean. And everything that we know about him so far indicates unclean, right? A sellout, a tax collector, a wealthy man, an extortionist. And yet here he, of all people, is doing something that's excruciatingly difficult, even for a short person, perhaps of five foot five or five foot four, to do. And he's the one whose name means clean. I love this image and I love the story of Zacchaeus because of this reason. In our spiritual tradition, we use the word in Latin, compugnare, which means to prick. Compunction is the word that it often is associated with conversion. That in order for the heart to be converted to Christ, it has to be punctured or cut open, so it can be drained, and everything that's not of God can go away from it, so that everything that is of God can come in there and be filled up. And this often is an antithetical like way of looking at this as compared to what we normally think of conversions to be, right? We think of St. Paul, for example, who's going to Damascus and is knocked to the ground, and he goes blind, and he has scales on his eyes, and he can't see anything, and then he hears the voice of Jesus, and he's converted. Has that happened to any of you? That's not how it happened to me, and it does happen sometimes, so I don't want to discount it if it has happened to you. It does happen sometimes. But for most of us, The period or the process of conversion is so much slower than that. It's so much more intimate and interior than that. And you can bet that as Zacchaeus is going around collecting taxes, you know, thank you for your support of the Roman government. Hey, do you have a minute to talk about our Lord and Savior? (laughs) I don't think he's doing that. So Zacchaeus is the kind of person who would have been totally cast out. In other words, with no one to really go to to say, here's what I'm thinking, here's what I'm feeling inside. Like maybe it's time to give up all this tax collecting. Maybe it's time to heed this little feeling, this nudge, and and look into it and investigate it. He has nobody to go to for that. And yet here he is. He's the one who does the difficult work, who climbs the difficult tree which is symbolic for being cut open. And he himself is cut open, punctured. What does the Lord say to him? Bippity, boop, you're healed. See you later. I'm on my way somewhere else. No, he doesn't want to stay in Jericho, and yet he sees Zacchaeus and says, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree, for I will stay with you today. He sees Zacchaeus, he perceives the need of Zacchaeus, and he stays with Zacchaeus. Not just on the sidewalk, hey, how are you? A couple pictures, on we go. He says, I must stay at your house. Having been punctured, cut open, drained out of everything that's not of God, Zacchaeus is ready to give away the wealth. He even says it, all my possessions, half my possessions, Lord, I shall give to the poor. If I have extorted anything from anyone, I will repay it four times over. So he's being drained of everything of the past. And the Lord punctures him, not to hurt him, but to make room for himself. And having been cut open now, there's room for the Lord to live inside. You never know what people are thinking about. That's something that I'm learning life you never know what people are thinking about and oftentimes we look at the way things appear on the outside and we think oh they hate me or they're not listening to me or well i'm not having any impact on these people whatsoever and then you get a letter 10 years later or you get a message or somebody says something and you're like oh my gosh i guess i did have an impact or looking back and i think about all these people teachers and priests who have influenced me And I think, man, the people that I learned the most from were people that I didn't really know them that well, but I just observed them and saw them. And they gave me courage to go forward by something that they said. How many people have you listened to like on YouTube or something that was a great talk that they gave or somebody that you've never even met before that gave you witness in the public square somehow of kindness that you thought, okay, well, I can imitate that. That's a very basic example. What I want to leave with you this morning is simply this, not to water it down or make it like a Hallmark movie kind of thing, but to say that Zacchaeus, that is the call of each one of us. We are all called to that kind of puncturing, that kind of draining, because we're all called to that kind of ripening, that the heart must be, you know, tousled about a little bit. So that the stone can come off of it and the flesh can return to it and the spirit can come and live within you and you can change the way that you live. But the difficulty for most of us is going to be that it requires us to change the way that we live, to change the way that we see, to change the way that we encounter other people and it will be a profoundly interior process where you have to be both the thinker and the evaluator of your thoughts, both the speaker and the evaluator of your words, both the doer and the evaluator of your actions. It requires this level of self-possession, of self-knowledge and self-mastery, self-control, as Paul calls it. But that's a gift that you have to pray for, but be confident that the Lord wants to give it to you. Amen? Zacchaeus, come down quickly, for today I must stay at your house. Do you understand that the Lord Jesus is saying that to each one of us this morning? Do you understand that? Get down from wherever you're hiding from me. Get down from this place where you're trying to see me, because I'm coming to you, and I want to stay with you. And you'll say, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come into my house. But we pray that he really does say the word. And as he says the word, that our souls are healed and that there is a place for him even today in the midst of whatever you brought in here. So when we say that in a few minutes, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof. May this today be the first time maybe in a long time where you've really said it and meant it. But let it be followed up with that prayer and let that prayer, just pray it in a way that you know it's going to be true. But only say the word and my soul shall be healed and I'm ready for whatever that might mean for me.